Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you with me today. Hope you're having a good day. You had a wonderful week, and you're looking forward with great anticipation to next week. I want to sh just share something with you, uh, kind of a secret that I have. I haven't really ever shared this with anybody. Every week when I come to the Digital Cathedral, I think this is the message. <laughs> this is the teaching that's really going to spring them free. And I've feel that way this morning. I've come with a lot of expectation. My hopes are really high that the Spirit of God is going to unveil some things to you that will take you the next step of the journey. Remember our aim here at the Digital Cathedral is to bring us all to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So every week as we're on this journey, that's the aim and that's the goal. So I want you to listen real close this morning because I feel real strong about this teaching, about this message, and I want it to, I want it to permeate you. I want it to saturate you and for it to become reality in your life. If the things we're teaching don't really make a difference, don't really make a change, then what's the point, right? So I think that what we're going to talk about this morning should make a difference in our day-to-day -day life. I want to start with a scripture over in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. We're going to unwind some things this morning that I think are, are going to be revelatory as well as practical. So let me start with a verse that you're very familiar with, but again, what I teach this morning, I want I want it to saturate you. I want it to settle down into your innermost being and create a grace change, that effortless change that comes as we rest in him. That divine influence that you cannot explain, it is so unmerited, so given to us freely that it produces that change as we rest in him. So kick back, rest this morning, and let this just come down into your inner man. Fair enough? All right, listen to this. Let, let, this, let this grab you. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, But if the Spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. I just, I, I don't know what that does to you, but that, that exhilarates me to think that the very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it actually dwells in me. Same resurrection, same resurrection power, same resurrection spirit. Then it says this, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. So this, what, what creates life in this mortal body is not my ability to exercise, take vitamins, or get a right diet. It comes by the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that word life, there's the word zoe. So there's an impartation, there's an implanting of the very God kind of life that comes to you as you recognize this, as you give consciousness to it. So if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead, somebody should say amen right there, dwells in you, and it does, absolutely does then that Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also. And the word in the, in the New King James is quicken, which is just an old English word that means give life. It'll give life to your mortal bodies. That's just, that's, to me, that's just amazing. Now watch how he does it. The rest, the rest of the verse says, through his spirit who dwells in you. So Paul just nails it down. He just cements it and says, look, that spirit dwells in you, and it's pumping life to your mortal body. So let's, let's recognize that this morning. I think this is Paul really affirming what Jesus emphasized throughout the three and a half years of ministry that he had 
and the, the entire emphasis of Jesus was our oneness with the Father. His, his message was the kingdom, but he really emphasized the, the necessity for us to realize that we are one with the Father. I think Paul brings that out so well in that eight, 11th verse of Romans chapter 8 by understanding that the same, there's a spirit connection. The same spirit raised Jesus from the dead connects to you. And it does the same thing in you that it did in Jesus. It gives life to your mortal body. Time we begin to recognize that. Jesus was related to the Father in the same way that we are also. And Jesus tried, I think, every way possible that he could to communicate to us that oneness, that same spirit. Uh, In John chapter 14, 20, when Jesus said, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. Do you see the union, see the connectedness? You see the same spirit right there? But even though Jesus said that, even though Jesus taught that, he taught that the unlimited creator lived in him. He was still quick to say, of my own self, I can do nothing. He was still quick to say that every work that I do, it's not me doing the work, it's the Father that dwells in me. He abides in me. He doeth the works, all of them. And that's hard for us today to understand and to wrap our head around that if we're going to do something that is going to have significance and, and long-term purpose, that it's not going to be us doing it. That's, that's grace. It's going to be the Father that dwells in us. We have the opportunity, I believe today in 2023, this is, this is what, April of 2023, I think that we have the opportunity to live on that same level of consciousness that Jesus lived in. The Spirit of Truth is taking us to that place. But with Jesus, same as us, there's two, two distinct functions going on within us. There is a natural function and there's a spirit function. <clears throat> Jesus was 100%, 100% divine, 100% human. And if that same spirit that dwells in you, that dwells in Jesus, then I got to tell you this morning that you're you're not just a human. That new creation, that new creation reality should be showing us and teaching us that, yes, we are a, a partaker of the divine nature. We are not only human, we're also divine. And that part of us that is flesh that has been so well-groomed and so well-schooled since the time when we were born to bring limitation, to bring weakness to us, to make us feel insufficient. But yet when you begin to peel that back and down in the very center of our being, and this is what we're tapping at the Digital Cathedral, this is what the Spirit of Truth is taking us to today. When you tap into that very center of your being, you get past that outward look, that outward flesh. There's part of you that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's part of you that says, I know that I am more than a conqueror. I feel it. I sense it. I see it beginning to break, that I am a partaker of the divine nature, the exact same as Jesus. But we step back and we say, as Jesus says, it's not me that's doing this. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things. It's not me that's doing the works. And we're learning today how to step back, relax, rest into him, and allow him to work as us in the circumstances of life. So just in this little introduction, what I'm trying to say to you is the one that created us didn't form us, then set us aside from himself and say, you're on your own. He's never left us. He's always abided within us. You are the temple. I'm going to stress that a little bit this morning. You are the dwelling place. You are the temple of God. 
Aren't you glad this morning that he didn't create you and then just spin you out onto the planet of the earth and say, I hope you make some good decisions and right choices. I hope you hear, hear the way to get back here. He didn't do that. See, a workman can build a table and chairs. He can build a, 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 a kitchen table with four or five, six chairs to it. And he, when he's done with it, he doesn't have anything more to do with it until, until it's returned maybe for repairs. God created us like himself, and he breathes into us his very essence, right? which becomes the fountain of life that springs up within us. That life, that real life, that God kind of life that is in you is what he has imparted to you. You're not a table and chairs that he just creates and then puts on your own. No, 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 no. He hangs with you. He lives with you. He dwells with you. In fact, Paul said it like this. We are his workmanship. Let this also sink in. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Nobody ever told you that. You spent years at church and they never told you that you were created in Christ Jesus. That you're God's workmanship. You're his, you're his special plan. You're the apple of his eye. And he created you in Christ Jesus for good works. That's getting yourself in synchronization, in harmony with him. Which he, which he has planned for your life. So I think you got to, you know, I, I don't think you can miss that. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And the rest of Scripture tells us that those good works that he planned us to accomplish were placed in us before the foundation of the world. So good news this morning. He never set you aside. The table and chairs can be set aside by the one that created them, by the one that designed them and put them together. But he remains with us as our creative intelligence that fills us and renews our mind. He's the very source of our life. So the, the, the table and chairs can exist without the one that created it, without the workman. But you and I, I think, have come to a place in our life when we're recognizing that without our source of being staying with us, we would cease to exist. If the, if, if the Father ever left you, you would cease to exist. Didn't Paul say it's in him we live? It's in him we move, and it's in him we have our very being. Our life is hidden, Paul said, with Christ, in Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in the Father, right? So you're hidden with Christ in God, in the Father. That's that, that's that union. That's that coming back to the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, quickens. It gives life to your body because you're hidden within him. In fact, Colossians chapter 117, let me just, let me just hit one verse real quick and then we're going to move on with this. I so much want this to be life-changing this morning. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17, it says, And he is before all things. And in him, now listen, listen, he is before all things, and in him everything consists. There's nothing that exists outside of him, including you, at any time. Regardless of what you think or what your behavior is, you do not exist outside of him. That's the way he set it up. That's the way he planned it. And he has kept you. He is the one that has kept you in full union with himself. It wasn't your ability. He did it. 
So I think I think you you can open your mind to the fact that you are the offspring of the Father that is on this planet today, bringing forth in visible form your relationship and your intimacy with Him. You're the visible. Here's what I'm trying to say. On the planet today, because of the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling in you, quickening your mortal bodies, knowing that it's in him that you exist, then he is saying to us this morning, look, I put you on the planet to be a visible expression of myself. What an assignment we have. Doesn't matter whether you flip hamburgers, you're a school teacher, you're the teacher at the digital cathedral. We're all on the same program. We're all on the same plan. We just have a little bit different assignment. But we all were designed to be a visible expression of him. So this makes you, if, if in fact you are a visible expression of him, this makes you, at the very center of your being, pure spirit. You're absolutely pure spirit. This phone keeps going off. Let me just turn it off. It's bugging me. There we go. At the very center of your being, you're absolutely pure spirit. Always have been spirit. Always will be spirit. A spirit is eternal. A spirit doesn't, doesn't just begin and end. A spirit, a spirit, there is no beginning and no end. You're in the image of him. He created you like that before the foundation of the world. Now, I'm going to grant you that the, the outer edge of our being that we call flesh might not look a whole lot like the creator, might not even act a whole lot like the creator. And when you give that outer man focus, when you give that outer man attention, when that outer man takes his instructions from circumstances and feelings, here's what happens. Listen, this is going to help you. Here's what happens. You lose touch with the inner man, the spirit. He didn't go anywhere. He's always there. Father's always there. In him we live and move and have our being. He's not vacating you at all. You're the temple. You're a place of habitation. But when our outer man listens to outside forces and gives it attention and focus, we break the connection, right? We, we, we kind of disconnect in our minds. We've got to focus somewhere else. You, you, you become disengaged from that part of you that is sensitive to the spirit. The inner man was, was created has a DNA from the Father himself that makes him sensitive to the Spirit, and you've got to be pulled off track. See, the same spark that was in Jesus, the same flame that burned within Jesus that kept him in contact is the same spark in you, is the same flame in you. So here's what I'm encouraging you to do right now, that you, from this point forward, you look for that spark. You look for that flame. And you don't look to where you've been trained by the world since birth to see and to live by this outer world, this, this circumstantial world. And man, there are so many circumstances going on today that are counterproductive to you as a spirit being. What's going on out here in this outer world moves our consciousness. It takes our focus off of the kingdom of God, from, the, from that kingdom that is within you, from the source, from the supply, from, from the place where you have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. This world outside of us through distractions and ups and downs and good reports and bad reports plays us like a yo-yo. See, that outer world, that outer world says sick. That outer world says broke. 
That outer world says less than. That outer world says separated. That outer world says of no value. Then you go down to the church house and they affirm it. By telling you you were born in sin, you were born with an endemic nature, you were born with a tent, with a bend toward evil. How many times I've taught that, how wrong I was. And what we're doing is affirming at church the very, the very life that is not legitimate that we've been programmed and, and, and groomed by our outside world to follow and to live. See, that spirit within radiated life in Jesus. That's what, that's what Jesus could go out in the wilderness and a crowd came. What drew the crowd to Jesus? It wasn't, it wasn't his dazzling looks because the Bible says there was nothing about his outward appearance that really made him that appealing. It was the life that he had within. What makes you attract those that are around you? Why are you the one that when somebody has a problem, they come to you and ask you for counsel? You ever notice that? It's because of what is in you. It's because what is beginning to emanate from the inside. So Jesus kept his focus. My message this morning is the spirit that dwells in you quickens your mortal body and allows you to feel in total union with him so that you can keep your focus like Jesus from the external altogether and keep your thoughts centered within. That's where the real life was, was flowing. That's where it's flowing now. That's where that fountain that Jesus talked about of living water, that's where that flows. 100% divine. See, when you, when you focus on the divine, when you take your eyes off the human, you focus on the divine, guess what? You're going, to be, you're going to begin to act like who you really are, who God designed you to be. So as you, as you, as you function in this world, Jesus said you're in the world, you're not of the world. Jesus said these are not of the world any more than I'm not of the world. And by, by, looking, by not looking out there, Jesus says one of the ways you can keep your focus off the world is by not judging through appearances. John chapter 7. Let me make a real quick point here. I feel like I'm connecting with you this morning. John chapter 7. Isn't it good to know that he has brought us on this journey to the point we are now that we can hear a teaching like this? If you'd have heard this a few years ago, it would have went right over your head. You would have had absolutely no clue what I was talking about. But right now, it's... It's resonating in your spirit. And it's the life that you're drawn to. Jesus said this in John chapter 7 and verse 24. He said, do not judge according to appearances. So he said, get your focus off the appearance. Get your focus off the circumstances. He said, but judge with righteous judgment. So I was meditating on that this week. What is righteous judgment? Righteous judgment is when you judge in mercy and in truth. When you, when you look beyond the appearance, when you look beyond the shell, when you look beyond what is trying to present it to you, to yourself as reality, when, you, when you're looking beyond the thing that comes to you and says, here's the, here's the, here's the, the real facts. No, they're not the real facts. We don't look at the things that are seen because they are subject to change. So we need to judge by spirit. We need to judge by truth. We need to see. We need to see with these eyes, the eyes that are within. We need to hear from within. 
And when they, when they reveal to us, then we can speak the truth. And we always do it in mercy. See, God, God's mercies are new every morning. If his mercies are new every morning, I'm creating his image and likeness. Then when I walk out into the world, my, my, my judgment toward that world, toward the people that present themselves to me, should always be merciful. Always be merciful. If you want love, if you want life, if you want power, then stay in constant, conscious communion with the Father who lives in you. You are the temple. You are the habitation. He, he didn't come for a visit. <laughs> he came to set up a house. He didn't come to just once in a while when you bawl and squall and beg and plead and ask for a revival. See, Jesus never prayed for a revival. Jesus, Jesus prayed for oneness, for union, that we would know who we are, that we have a, a divine connection. That's what Jesus asked. That's what Jesus prayed. So all the junk that tries to enter our life, do you know this? Have you ever, have you ever observed this? All of the junk that, that comes from from that tries to get into our life all into here this is where it tries to enter it all comes from outside comes from external forces and it tries to enter your mind so your your mind your mind's a powerful too there's nothing wrong with your mind your will and your emotions if they're subject to the spirit that is within you your mind your will and your emotions listen to me listen to me they make a wonderful servant but they make a terrible master he never designed your mind, your will, and your emotions to, to, to be the master of your life. He designed you as a spirit being, your pure spirit. Can I drive that home this morning? Can I really put that seed deep within you, your pure spirit? I'm not this guy that you see on the camera. I am actually this guy that's looking out through these eyes. That's, that's, real, that's the real me. The real me sees from the inside. It's looking through these physical eyes. So when I look at things I need to see from within, let, let, those eyes, uh, let those eyes see what's out there. But then what I want to do is take in what I see and pass it through the Jesus filter. See, in the mind you embrace or you reject where your source of hearing comes from. Does you, either your mind will embrace or reject dependent on where the source of your hearing and your seeing comes from. Paul, Paul put it very plainly in 2 Corinthians. See, everything that we, we face, uh, Paul dealt with for most of the time with the churches. We just have to see it through the proper lens. Look what Paul said. Right? Let, me, let me repeat what I've been saying. What I've been saying. In your mind, you either embrace or reject what enters your mind through the source from which you see and hear. Is it the outside world that is around you and you make an unrighteous judgment or do you make a judgment based on mercy and truth from within? Now, here's, what, here's how Paul said to handle it. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? But are mighty in God 
for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Everything he's talking about right there is, is what's going on in your head. Now, he really gives us the key to this. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every week, I hope that we are increasing our understanding of who the Father is. So when something comes, we, we cast down, if it exalts itself and, and places itself above the knowledge of God or interferes with our understanding that the Spirit of Truth is bringing us about the Father, and it says this, and bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Let me just bring that up to modern language. <clears throat> He's saying every thought that comes to you from without, run it through a Jesus filter. What is, what is the man inside? What, is, what, is, what do I feel within? Am I looking at this based solely on its intimidation and its control from without? Or am I really looking at this with the eyes of my spirit? And it says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is known. <clears throat> now, I've, I've really heard that used as some real condemnation. You're not obedient. That's why you're disobedient. Listen, the, the obedience we're talking about is learning how, how to view life itself as the Father views it. The whole secret to all of this is coming into a a quiet place and getting yourself in synchronization with the mind and the will of the Father. And because your spirit, you can make that spirit to spirit connection with the Father. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So that's where you, that's where you make the connection. In him we live and move and have our being. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then it will do the same thing for, Jesus, for you as it did for Jesus. It will bring life to you. It'll be an ever flow of life. So you pass. Am I making sense this morning? You pass what tries to enter your mind through the Christ filter. For fear to have an effect on your life, it has to come through your mind. Insecurity, loneliness. Every, every, every image that is out there that would try to dissuade you from who you are has to enter your mind. So as, when it comes to your mind, you run it through a filter. You say, is this what I want to think? Casting down every thought, every imagination that tries to exalt itself against who you know the Father to be. Through who you know the spirit of truth that's rising up within you would reveal to you. And you can revenge every thought of disobedience as you perfect yourself in learning to function from within, right? Christ-centeredness, being Christocentric, is not mind, will, and emotions, right? That's soul. And again, nothing wrong with a strong soul. There's nothing wrong with having a strong will. There's nothing wrong with, with uh, enjoying learning knowledge. There's nothing wrong with having emotions. As I said earlier, they're wonderful servants. But when they become the master, when your emotions become the master of your life, you're headed, you're headed for oblivion, man. You're headed, you're headed for depression. You're headed for anxiety. You're headed for feeling that you're disconnected. 
I see people all the time posting on the Don Keithley ministry page that they have so much trouble. They, they feel in such bondage. They feel like, you know, separated. And all that stuff has come into their minds. They've not really grasped it yet who, who they are. Christ-centeredness is not mind, will, and emotions. And can I just tell you that temptation is not sin? Not at all. Temptation has got to carry a desire with it for it to be temptation. But where you take care of it is, you, as Barney Fife would say, you nip it in the bud. You don't play that movie. You don't let it into your mind and you begin to think about it, marinate on it. You will meditate on something. You'll either meditate on, on faith or fear, on, on hate or love, anxiety or peace, and what determines what you're going to meditate and think about and give your life to is what comes into your mind and you give place to. Time we stop scapegoating the devil. Well, the devil made me do it. I think we're Flip Wilson reincarnated. Devil made me do it. Well, it was those people that I was around. Well, as I've often, I used to teach young people way, 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 way back in the day, in the 70s, when I was a youth pastor for a brief, brief amount of time, I used to tell them, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. So if you're with people that are not inputting to you, if they've pulled you off base, sometimes you just gotta, you got to excuse yourself from that relationship and get yourself back to where you know to be. But the point is this. Temptation is not sin. And if there's no desire, then there's no temptation. But remember, you nip it in the bud. You don't, you don't play that movie. You don't let that temptation roll over in your mind because that movie, I'll tell you what, that movie gets longer and longer and longer. And pretty soon it's a double feature. <laughs> Not even serving popcorn in between the movies. It just, you just roll on and on and on. And it has a way of convincing you that that is reality, that that is truth. Jesus underwent that. In, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, there's a great little insight about Jesus that I, I don't think we've really, that we've really um, given place to. In the 15th verse of the fourth chapter of Hebrews, it says, it says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Listen but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let me say again, if Jesus did not have desire with that temptation, there was no temptation, right? The difference between what Jesus lived in and what you and I have been groomed to live in is that Jesus was without sin. He was without harmony. He was out without missing the mark. In other words, Jesus, Jesus didn't let what was going on around him control his thoughts and his actions. And can I tell you, it just wasn't in the wilderness that Jesus evidently was tempted. In Luke chapter 22, I wasn't going to read this, but I think I will. In Luke chapter 22, uh, he, let, me, let me just back up a minute. Jesus was tempted in every point like you are. And if he didn't have a desire, it really wasn't temptation, was it? Now, I don't think it was just those times in the wilderness that Jesus was tempted. Because in Luke chapter 22 and verse 28, Jesus speaking to his, his men 
He said, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials. They, did, they weren't with him when he was in the wilderness. One scripture says that the, the devil left him. And, you know, you may agree, not disagree. You may agree, not agree with me. But I think those, that whole temptation thing in the wilderness was a, was a head trip. Fasted for 40 days, he's hungry. Every, every one of them was a test to his identity as, son, as being a son. And the thought would come to him from without, turn those stones to bread. If, you're, if you are the son of God, you can cast yourself down from the, from the pinnacle of the temple and, and the angels will catch you, right? If you, if you just give in to what the thoughts are I'm putting that are coming to you, you don't have to go to the cross. You can have, you can have power over all all of the nations. It was all a challenge to his identity and his mission. And I think, personally, I think it took place within the mind of Jesus. I don't think a little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork and big ears and a, and a long tail came out and confronted Jesus. It was, it was taking place within him. And what Jesus did, he passed those thoughts through the Christ filter that was in him. And as he passed them through the Christ filter, he did what Paul said. He brought those things that were exalting themselves against the knowledge that he knew about the Father, and he cast them down. He, did, he didn't give them place within his mind. He didn't run the movie. He didn't run the double feature. He stopped it. The, the word trials there is the word pyrosmos, and it means temptation, testing, or being tried. So as, as I read that this week, I thought about, wow, Jesus is saying, you guys were with me in all of my trials. So it, it appears to me that this was not a one-time happening. I think we've kind of passed off, said, well, Jesus passed the test in the wilderness. It was smooth sailing for him. No, it wasn't. He was tempted, had desire in every point like we do, yet with, without sin. Because he didn't give place to it. He didn't give place to it. The humanity of Jesus was tempted to go without. That was the desire. That was the pull. That was the temptation. To look at the, that, those things that were going on around him. I don't. Who'd want to go to the cross? So if there was a shortcut, his mind would tell him, take the shortcut. You can have power over all the nations. You don't have to go to the cross. He was tempted like we were in, in every point, exactly like we are. If he, if he wasn't tempted in every point, then he really can't be our high priest, which the verse says he was, who relates to the problems we face. Now, let me say this. I'm not holding Jesus up and telling you to huff and puff and try to be like Jesus. What I am telling you is that the same power that was in Jesus, it wasn't just at the, at, at the tomb that that resurrection power was working in Jesus. That resurrection power, that life-giving source, that spark, that flame, was working in him his entire life, and it's working within you also. The same spirit will quicken, will give life. Zoe, cut, cut the eros, cut the... Uh, Brotherly cuts that off because that's the wrong tree, brother. And it will allow the flow of Zoe to go within.
same power is it 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 it, it draws you draw strength and you draw life from what is within now i read that 11th verse to open up this morning but i want to come back and i want to read the 18th verse of that eighth chapter eighth chapter of romans man i, I don't know about you but this is ministering to me <laughs> you know i i get i don't have a digital cathedral to go to so you know what i'm fed all week long as i get these teachings ready the father just feeds me i mean hybrid manna so that when I come over to the digital cathedral, I, what I'm talking of, what I'm teaching from is the overflow that has arisen within me. I think that's probably why I think the message every week that I come with, I think will change people because the message I'm coming with during the week has changed me. I'm not the same guy I was last Sunday morning. I've seen some things. I've experienced some things. I, I, I feel that life rising up. And even as I teach this morning, I, I feel a divine connection with you and that the Father is really doing a great work within you. And I'm just trying to fan that flame a little bit. All right. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you die. If you live according to the things going on around you, things that are trying to pull you off, you'll die. Now that doesn't mean, this is what I said a little bit ago, that you, there's, you experience a disconnect when you follow the things, the feelings that are without, that are outside of you. That's what the Father showed me this week, that, any, that it's a disconnect. It's not a physical death. For if you live according to the outward circumstance, if you live according to what the data, physical data feeds your mind, you make a decision in that direction, you'll die. Wrong tree. Wrong tree. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. How do you put to death the deeds of the body? You shut them off in your mind. You shut them off. Let me read this again. For if you live according to the flesh, five senses, circumstances, the world that swirls around you, that you've been programming groomed since birth, that this is the reality, then you eat from the wrong tree and you, be, you feel disconnected. You're never disconnected, but you feel the disconnect. That's what, isn't that what Paul said? That we were aliens and enemies in our mind because of wicked works. Wicked works doesn't mean you, you have to rob a bank or kill somebody. Wicked works are, are works that are contrary to the works that create life within us. But if you, by the Spirit, run those things through the Jesus filter and cut them out, don't give them place, don't run the double feature movie contemplating and meditating, you're going the wrong direction, bro. He said, if you do that, then you will live. So let, let me come back to verse 11. Let me come to verse 11, 12, and 13 and connect these for you a little bit this morning. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that dwells in you. That's the key, through the spirit that dwells in you. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. You don't owe that outside world anything. You don't, you don't owe the world that presents itself to you as fact. You don't owe it anything. That's not your source. That's not where you're living from. Then he goes on to verse 13 and says, if we live according to that flesh, if you give in to it, we don't owe it anything. It doesn't have any power over us, but if you give in to it, you die. But if you take that life source that is within and you cut off 
the thoughts at the pass. Barney Fife, nip it in the bud. You'll live because you're eating the right tree. You're eating from the tree of life. You're producing the fruit of the Spirit against which there is no limitation. There is no boundary. Paul says there is no law. You cannot stop it. You cannot, you cannot inhibit it. So in overcoming the mortal, in overcoming this flesh pull, in, in getting away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which, by the way, if you haven't, if you haven't gotten my book, Barking Up the Wrong Tree, I would encourage you to go to Amazon and get it. Right? Barking up the wrong tree. And overcoming the mortal, overcoming the flesh, no longer eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus spent time alone with his Father. That's how he fed his spirit. That's how he fed his spirit. And when he was alone with the Father, listen, he didn't give the Father direction, didn't tell the Father how to do it, when to do it, or if it should be done at all. <laughs> He didn't tell the Father what seemed to be best according to circumstances, or he didn't plead his case of need according to circumstances because he wasn't pulling from that outside world. That time alone, you know what he was doing? He was bringing his will into alignment with the Father's will. Remember in the garden, not my will, your will be done? He's bringing it into alignment. He's tapping the right tree. He's not listening to what's raging around him. And man, I'm sure there was a lot of rage going on around Jesus. There was all kinds of thoughts coming about what he was going to face. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew he was going to have thorns jammed on his brow. He knew he was going to be nailed. I mean, you talk about a pull that's trying to get your attention. Let, let me just throw this in as well, just for you to think about. If, if it didn't take Jesus more than one time getting alone with the Father to get through something, then he can't relate to us. Because I don't know about you, but there are times I have to get quiet several times about the thing that is staring me in the eyes. If he didn't have to go to the Father more than once, if he didn't, if he didn't get the life and then get distracted, that's what the temptation was. That's where the desire came from. He, he, he looked. He, wasn't, he didn't eat from it. He, he, he didn't give it. He cut it off. But he went back to the Father for reinforcement. It was the divine Christ within Jesus that made the flesh man Jesus who he was. 100% human, 100% divine. It was the Christ within Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm not separating Christ from Jesus, all right? I'm just... I'm just separating them a little bit so that you can see the function. It's the Christ in you that makes the difference. Colossians 2.9, you know the verse. In Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Every part of the, of the, of the, of the divine trinity dwelt within Jesus. If you take the fullness of the Godhead out of Jesus, then you just got a human being. That's not tuned into the things. They have no idea who they are. Was Jesus always Jesus? Absolutely. Jesus Christ was 100%, 100%. Wasn't 50-50. He was 100%, 100%. And I told you at the start of the teaching this morning that Jesus' mission was always to bring us into a place where we understood our union with the Father. 
So Paul, Paul got it. Paul caught that. So when he says that in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily, he reached out to you exactly like Jesus did in John 14, 20, when Jesus said, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father and that you're in me and I'm in you. There's all bringing together. There's a, there's a union. And that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening your, your mortal body and you're not debtor to the flesh. So Paul reaches out in verse 10 and brings us into it and says, and you are complete in him. I don't know about you. That cranks my engine. You are complete in him. It, it, it puts within me a motivation to elevate my consciousness. It makes me want to take my game up a notch, not by my power or, or my ability, but, my, but by focusing as Jesus focused on the guy that is within, the temple that is within where the Father dwells. He never, he never leaves it. Now, I can become disconnected in my mind from him when I give into the outward pull, the outward life, the outward world. It's the Christ within us that is the beloved Son in whom the Father is well pleased. It's that Christ within us. That was Paul's message, to take what he discovered within and take it to the world. Here we go. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Paul didn't, Paul wasn't cranking up trying to get a call from God. He said, call me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach this son that was always in me to the Gentiles. That, that's an amazing revelation. When I saw that one day, I go, why didn't I ever see that before? If, Christ, if Jesus the Christ was always in Paul, then he's always in us also. You say, are you sure of that? <laughs> I'm absolutely sure. Watch. Let's, let's go over. And Paul carries it just a little further, right? So he says in that, in that 15th and 16th verse, that when it pleased the Father who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal the Christ that is in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now he carries that thought just a little bit further when he gets over to the church at Colossae. And he says this, in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 26, I'm read 26 and 27. Paul says, the mystery which was hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles. Oh, boy. So he's showing the saints a secret about the Gentiles. The Gentiles were those that, uh, that were not Christ's followers at that point. So Paul is saying there is a there is a unveiling, there's a mystery that the saints now see. They see it about the Gentiles, which is Christ in you Gentiles, the hope of glory. So this this Christ, this presence has always been within us. It's still a mystery to some, but it's not a mystery to you. We spent a lot of time at the digital cathedral on this theme of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Christ that was always in you, the hope of glory. The greatest way that we can demonstrate the Father is by demonstrating his love for us. 
That Christ within us is pure, 100% love. And that's what reveals the Father's nature to us. It is it, the, the greatest way the Father can demonstrate his love for us is to live within us. Greatest demonstration that the Father can ever bring to humanity is to say, you're the temple. You're the dwelling place. You're the one, you're my habitation. He dwells in you in the holy of holies, right? Your inner man. That's what contains him. So let me just, let me park this bus. If you can agree to what I've said this morning, if it resonates, I came to the Digital Cathedral this morning, wired up, fired up, I feel like this could be something change people. If you can agree to that, then you know where to go when you face things. You know where to go when circumstances around you are contrary, when your body is lying to you. You know where to go. You go and remain where he is, feeding on the fullness of I am. And as you feed on the fullness of I am, as he is, so are you in this present world. All right, I think that's where I want to stop this morning. I, I, I didn't get it all out. I think I'm going to hit this again next week. I want you to learn to live from inside. This is where the power is. This is where the life is. It's where the, the flow is. It's from within. So as we're learning to tap into that, it's making life different. You're seeing life through different lens. You're seeing it through uh, a different filter. So I hope this all came together with you this morning. It sure did for me during the week, and it changed, it changed me a lot. God bless you. Thank you for being with me this morning. We'll see you Wednesday night, Secret Place, on the Don Keithley Ministry page, 6 p.m. Central. And back next week, and I want to, I kind of want to hook, hook up to this again, and we'll dive a little deeper. Fair enough? All right, God bless you. Have a good week. And don't forget, Jesus is always Lord of every situation. God bless. If your heart has been touched by Don Keithley's words, and you believe this ministry can enrich your spiritual journey, we warmly invite you to subscribe and hit the bell icon. By doing so, you'll stay up to date with all the new and inspiring content from the Digital Cathedral, ensuring you never miss out on the transformative power of God's love and grace. You may make a donation at donkeithley.com. We thank you for your continued support and encouragement.